Welcome to the Iowa Parents Crash Course 101. This is Consuela, your, your host, and today we are going to be talking about positive sexual behaviors. I have a special guest, Dr. Todd Kopelman. Todd, let's go ahead and start and let's have you tell a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me, Consuela. So I am a psychologist. I work in the Department of Psychiatry here at UIHC and co-direct our Autism Center. And so I've had the opportunity to work with children through adults with autism and related disorders for about 15 plus years now. It is really great to have you on. And um, personally, it's really great knowing you and having your experience with my child. Today, we're going to talk about a touchy subject or one that no one really wants to talk about. But as a parent coming across it, I felt that's really important. I think that we should be aware of it and mindful of it so that we can create positive avenues, educate ourselves, our children, and the care providers to create a positive healthy experience. What we're talking about is masturbation or arousal issues. One thing I would like to talk about is how do we determine when the stage is coming? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think just kind of starting off more broadly, I agree with you. It's a very important topic, sexuality and masturbation both. And I think it's one that in my experience, we often wait until there's a problem before we address it. And that's from very loving parents. Maybe it's, they just don't know what to expect. And then all of a sudden a behavior is happening. And it's also a really uncomfortable topic for almost everybody, myself included in my personal life to discuss. So as far as your question goes, when it's coming, I think we have to keep in mind with individuals with developmental disabilities that for the most part, their chronological age is going to match everybody else. So there's variation there. Certainly masturbation is a behavior we see very young and it's very expected in children. Two, three, four years old is not at all uncommon. If you have a child with a developmental disability, you may see it there as well. What we typically think of in those teenage years, anywhere from 10 to 15, 16 years old, it's a pretty wide range, but you may start to see some masturbation behaviors occurring then too. And that's just not children or people that we take care of, it includes females. How would we, we see these behaviors? Because you said, and a lot of people, if you're looking chronologically, you say three to five is like exploration of the body, which is something that all our kids do. But when we start seeing those things, how do we create a positive environment? How do we manage what's going on? Right. So I think that's really important to send a positive message to our children. The language we're going to use be individualized to our own children, but we want to communicate really clearly that this is an expected behavior. It's a normal behavior, not that everybody does it, but you know the vast majority of people do it. So it's an okay thing to do. And it's a private behavior is the other thing. You know, again, the vocabulary may differ, but it's okay. And here's where we do it, right? So there's a time and a place is what I often talk with parents about. Some parents differ, obviously, about where that place is. Most agree on the time, you know, private, but it could be the bathroom or the bedroom or some other place like that. How do we educate as care providers, school for staffing, and our hired care providers? How do we educate them and address this issue? about like care providers, teachers, direct care staff. Again, I think just understanding development is really important so that they're not shocked if and when this behavior happens. 
and that we communicate. I'm the parent of the child. I'm communicating with the direct care staff or teachers about, hey, my child may engage in this behavior. We've just started, for example, to notice that it's emerging. Then you talk about how you would like it addressed, which again, hopefully is, this is not something that we want to punish or shame in any sort of way. We may need to kind of behaviorally shape it up so that our child knows this is where we go and this is when this behavior is okay. So if you're supposed to be doing math at school and you start to see masturbation, you may need to remind the child, nope, back to math right now. Home is where this behavior occurs. How do we set up a positive private area? What would you recommend? It's going to probably differ on the child. Some children that I work with might have severe and profound developmental disorders, in which case to throw out a kind of a fancy behavioral term, we're using a lot of like stimulus control. Just like we learn green light means go, red light means stop at a traffic sign. Green light might mean your bedroom and that's okay. Red light or sign might mean it's not okay right now. Some parents we've actually used a color-coded system. When we start to see masturbation, we say that's okay if it's okay time. And then you match it up with a green color that's on the door. And then you allow the child to go in there. If it's not an okay time, you might show them the red sign and then block that behavior and have them do something else, not as a punishment, but as a redirection. Something that we have talked about when you introduced this topic to us and my husband and I walked out of your office and we were just floored. As parents, we were like, oh, wow, we're not even ready for this. That's why I'm finding it important to talk about this because we need to create an appropriate environment. It can be controlled. As we had talked, you said there were certain like materials or certain events or action figures that might trigger that. Did you want to talk about that, how in controlling that? I don't see this by any means with, with every individual that I get to work with, but sometimes there's like almost pairing the first time that somebody starts to explore their body and maybe they're successful and they're excited about it. Maybe it happened when they were using a certain physical material, rubbing against a desk or they had a certain toy or something like that. They may think and maybe not fully understanding that they need to do it the same way every single time. So sometimes it's just as simple as kind of unpairing I don't want to get too specific because it's going to depend on the person, but sometimes it is as much as kind of explaining to them how to masturbate without using that material. And again, the time and the place is an important part of that story as well. And whereas if you limit access to those materials that trigger that behavior, then that reduces the action happening in an inappropriate environment. It certainly would be can. a good plan. <laughs> yeah, it certainly can. Yes. Yeah. After we've done this several times because of technology, one thing I wanted to talk about is sex education. I think this is something that is on my list of things to do is sex education when you're, as a normal child, when I was in middle school, we had sex education and they did not have that for my son. As a parent, I think that we need to push to have adequate sex education for our children, even in the level three classroom. How do you feel about that? I totally agree. We've come a long way in certain respects in the past 15 years or so since I started in that there's a lot more curriculum and materials out there than there used to be. We've got some really good information, but I think there's, for whatever reason, some type of a gap where it's not being utilized in classrooms and in other settings. I don't think it's an excuse to say we don't know how to teach. 
It's more, do we really want to teach <laughs> and are we going to commit to teaching? I think that's the important next step. Well, and as a parent, I think that that is going to help control any bad responses that can escalate and get out of control. It allows for you to be aware something that's on my list that I'm going to be approaching the school about. I think that that needs to be part of our curriculum. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think a big part of it too is not just the behavior of the individual sexually, but also teaching them about kind of control of their body, for lack of a better term, that it's their body and they have choices that they can make regardless of, you know, cognitive ability. As you know, Consuela, like, I don't want to make up a number because I don't remember the exact statistic, but individuals with developmental disorders are at much higher risk than even females without developmental disorders who are at far too high risk of being sexually abused. I think it was 80%. Females were 80% is what I read on that, but it was a, a astronomical number and just scary. You had mentioned that there was some really great material for good touch, bad touch. You'd send me the link, which is going to be posted in the podcast that's available at the Children's Center for Disabilities. I really, you know, as a parent, I really wish I would have known this. And I stress to my parent advocates that it's not too early and um, do not think that your child is not capable of understanding it because it's going to be something that reduces the risk of your child. Having that material, you said it's lower key cognitive level, and that's something as parents that you would do with your regular children. You know, you don't take candy from strangers, and regardless of, of if our child has a disability or not, we need to be teaching them. It is out there, and we need to grasp that information. That's That was really exciting when you told me about that in that link. One of the other things, I'm going to jump back to masturbation. I had read, and I want your opinion on this as a professional, it says that exercising when they are starting to exhibit that behavior or at times, so your schedule is not perfect, but times, if you know that, that it's their time, what I read was exercise. How true is that? I mean, it's a diversion, which would be taking their mind away from it, but is like exercise, like walking, jogging, doing something in an exercise way, does that make a difference or is it the focus on changing their attention? Good question. I haven't read that specific research, so I can't comment on it. Consuela, you're ahead of the game with me. I, sexuality in general, a lot of these things are, you know, they are biologically driven. There are environmental cues as well that can create arousal and stimulation for all of us. If you think about if you're looking at this isn't the right time or place, what else temporarily might work? Exercise, if it's something somebody enjoys, it may redirect them for the moment playing a video game as well, talking, those types of things. For some of my children where it's a problem at school, sometimes it's just getting back to the classroom and showing them on a schedule when they have private time. It's not right now, it's coming up later though. So we need to work on some self-control. When we say private time, a lot of our kids use pet cards or a visual schedule. Is there a more appropriate image or something that you could show as being their private time for that? Or is that something that's included in the PEX cards? There are some pretty accurate cards. You know, you're somewhat limited with the symbols in PEX, but yeah, you can use that to indicate masturbation. If that's something that the child or student is going to understand. 
sometimes that's just paired with the picture of a bathroom or a bedroom. Again, if it's somebody who's more cognitively affected, using some of those stimulus control procedures can be helpful so that they understand, yes, I, of course I get to do this, but here's the time and the place. I'm going to get to one of the more uncomfortable questions. And you had said that sometimes you were going to have to show your child how to appropriately do it because sometimes they incorporate with something else. At that moment, I was thinking when you told me this, I was like, thank God I am a woman. (laughs) And my husband is going to have to deal with this. (laughs) As a parent or someone that's a care provider, if you were to have to physically show them how to do it. Is there material out there for that? How would you do that? Yeah. So this does come up some individuals and again, not something we talk about in public all the time, but, you know, I will ask parents, you know, if they know that their child's aroused and they know they're maybe attempting to masturbate, but they're in their rooms for a long time. It's like, are they successful? Are they able to have an orgasm, ejaculate for a man? Sometimes the answer is no. And that can cause obviously a lot of frustration and a lot of intensive time. So that's where sometimes teaching that skill. The good news is that usually once somebody learns it, they don't forget it. Um, So Uh, it's it's a positive behavior. Yeah, it results in reinforcement. There are some videos out there. I think one of them is called Handmade Love, um, which has been around for a while, which again, is very explicit, but I think specific too. And it's appropriate. It's more clinical in nature, necessary for some individuals. Thank you so much for talking with me about this subject because it is uncomfortable, but I think it's very important. And working through the technologies, like I said, we have done this several times. (laughs) No problem at all. Always nice to see you.